Hello, and welcome back to Shakespeare, the roundtable discussion podcast where we talk about the classics. I return again as your mostly quiet producer, Chase, and I will be taking our first bardless adventure to talk about the holiday classic, A Christmas Carol. If you want to support us, you can do so at our network Patreon at patreon.com slash ghostlightmedia. You can also find us at our website uh, with a link to our merch store at shakespearepod.com. And now, and still, on with the show. We back. We back. Season two. Season two. So I have spent the last, like, month bragging Mm -hmm. that I've now read every Shakespeare play. (laughs) It has come up a not insignificant number of times on, on other shows that I have been on. It's like, hey, go listen to Shakespeare. Do you have a favorite Shakespeare? We've done it. Yep. <laughs> We've done them you. all. We've done it. <laughs> and, uh, unless your favorite play is uh, the sonnets, at which point, fuck you. That's not a play. It's not a play. No, at some point, we can go back and do the sonnets. We can do Venus and Adonis. We can do the late, uh, you know, Rape of Lucrece. But. Mm-hmm. Let's say Pope wrote a Rape of Lucretia that's better. And then there's Rape of the Lock, which is the same too. Cool. Well, welcome back. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been crazy not talking to you guys for a month. Over a month now, I think almost. Yeah, yeah something yeah. Like a little that. over a month. At the same time, though, time has no meaning. Ryan, how's the new house? Small, good. Um, it. Hopefully there's not too much noise where I'm recording. I can't record in the basement because if the furnace kicks on, I'll be in a whirlwind of sound. Um, That's fair and deeply appreciated by your producer as well as the listeners. Um, but if but, we ever do Tempest again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you can you can sometimes hear cars go by because I'm sitting out in the front room, uh, Izzy's classroom. That... That is absolutely fine. I can tell you I have listened to so many podcasts uh, recorded in New York City where uh, sirens... Oh, say the sirens going off? Yeah. Can I tell you, like, okay, I guested on a podcast that we recorded yesterday for Mm -hmm. my other podcast, and there was so much bad muffler traffic on Church Street in Bowling Green. It was ridiculous. My audio kept getting interrupted. They could literally hear it through the microphone. Don't those motherfuckers know you were recording? Exactly. It's that guy on the goddamn motorcycle. Yeah. By the way, I love love that you've got your Timon Pericles uh, shirt on. Yes, I do. Timon Pericles 2020. Um... That way we know how you'll vote just in case there's a recall election. Mm-hmm. Oh, my dad just got hacked on Facebook. Oh, no. He's not going to know what to do about that. Nope. <laughs> nope. So I do I do have something Shakespeare-related to bring up. Oh? I bought this book, Players, by a guy by the name mm-hmm. of Bertram Fields, who is a lawyer... Um, the mysterious identity of William Shakespeare. I saw that 
at Grounds a few weeks ago and looked at it and said, ah, this is a book that will make Ryan Halfhill very angry. I bought it at Grounds. Um, okay, so same yeah, copy. The one that you saw, I now own. Yeah. Um, interesting book. Um, he is a lawyer and he treats the subject matter as if he's trying to do a legal brief about uh, William Shakespeare, basically. Um, sure. And uh, he he doesn't say one way or the other how he necessarily feels. He presents his arguments um, both where the Stratfordians could be right and where the anti-Strats, uh, who we know are wrong, could maybe have been <laughs> right. Um, I like that you preface that with who we know are wrong. Yeah, I mean, it gives me lots of lots of good argument points for anybody who tries to tell me that the Earl of Oxford wrote Shakespeare's plays. Um, no, it was that Bacon guy, right? right? Bacon look, guy? there's no way was Bacon bacon had guy? time while being the fucking father of forensics and everything else and being Queen Elizabeth's <laughs> main lawyer to fucking write Shakespeare's plays. Not with that attitude. And Edward Devere had <laughs> died well before all of the plays were, were written. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Maybe he, like, just possessed Shakespeare. One of the things that yeah, he talks about is as if, uh, as if Shakespeare, um, the actor, who we know existed, William Shakespeare was an actor. He was a, you know, was in the Chamberlain's Men, you know, was... Um, a part owner of the Globe Theater and all of this. Um, he, he says that there, there could be an argument made that William Shakespeare, the actor, was posing, uh, as a front for the playwright who was writing the plays and then they were giving them, he was giving them to William Shakespeare to say that he wrote them. Mm. That is the argument I've usually heard. Especially for Devere. But Devere died. Weird. Like. I understand. Like like a reverse ghostwriter situation. Yeah, but Devere died (laughs) well before all of Shakespeare's plays were complete. I I see no reason why it can't be Shakespeare, so I choose to believe that. I'm a Stratfordian, and I always have been, and I always will be. I, I feel that the evidence does not support anything else. However, I love a good conspiracy theory. So, so it, I mean, it, it really is an interesting though. book and surprisingly doesn't make me mad to read. Did you read it to be mad? All right, like, all right. Did you? I I read it going into it expecting that it could quite possibly make me quite mad. Okay. I am not com- I am not completely done with it. Um, I am like about three quarters of the way through. Um, I am in the, uh, the arguments he is making for the potential who could have been Shakespeare if it was not the man from Stratford. So I just actually finished the, the arguments for Edward Devere. And I'm about to start on Christopher Marlowe, who we also know died (laughs) well in advance. Well, maybe his ghost appeared. 
low one winter's night. Oh. It could have. There could have been a, some some rattling of chains. Some rattling of chains and uh, some plots rope clasping. Of, <laughs> plots of. Uh, I I picked up a. Friars dancing in his head. I, I picked don't know. up a couple of. I, I, yeah, I don't know where that I was picked going. up a couple of good beers for this. I uh, it's it's still before Thanksgiving, so I can't do Christmas beers yet. And I didn't see any winter warmers that I really wanted, but I did find a uh, plaid habit from Boulevard, um, all right, which is a Canadian whiskey barrel aged Imperial Brown Ale. All right. I brought some breakfast stout so that I, like two very specific lighthouse keepers, could just have some grog. This is close to get. I thought maybe it was so that way in the morning when you woke up to tell a boy to get you the best turkey. The best turkey? It's actually because my husband bought it and he walked it in here and he's like, this is good. And then I kept it. Mm. Yeah, I can't buy beer from founders anymore. Why not? Uh, They got a racism problem. Okay, well, we'll drink this and then we won't buy any more. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a big deal. They're the only Michigan brewery that I'm like, map. I can't support you anymore. Yeah, I hadn't heard that, but I'm not in the brewing circle. So when we know better, we do better. We do. Better. Yep, exactly. Um, I have no such compunctions as Ryan. I am drinking Christmas beer, <laughs> Great Lakes Christmas uh, Christmas ale. Tis the season for the next, like, I months. almost... And for what we were talking about, which is A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, because we haven't seen I did that. almost oh. pick up... Oh, hey, this is the Shakespeare podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the Shakespeare that. podcast. I'm Ryan Halfhill. I'm Beth Roars. I'm Cassie Greenley. I'm Chase Greenley. And welcome back. Welcome back, we, dear listeners. This could have been the time for Cassie to pick a different place to be in the order. No, no, no. We're fine with we This is season two. And as we talked this- about at the end of season one, we're going to branch out. We're going to go a little further afield um, than just the bard. We're going to be, I mean, still bard related, but bard adjacent. <laughs> bard and bard adjacent. Yeah, yeah, this one is like, I mean, 200 years further down it's the Christmas, line. Beth. But it's specifically, Christmas, But specifically, we picked Christmas. this one because it's going to be released in December and, you know. So, which actually is the the reason that I did almost pick up Christmas beer. I almost picked up some Thirsty Dog 12 Dogs. Um, it's real good Which this is year. the best Christmas beer out there and the only one that I actually actively seek out. Um, in my humble opinion. I prefer... I don't prefer Christmas ales. I go for more of the, like, winter beers, like stouts and some, you know, some with... You know, spicing to them, but Christmas beers not usually my thing. I fucking hate Christmas beers. I don't like them. I love them. Good, you can have all of mine. I I will. Good. Then I'll sleep forever. But man, um, would you be? I don't like. Would you be dead as a doornail? Stuff. I I think maybe more dead as a coffin nail. More dead as a coffin nail. You you oh. two wouldn't be allowed to drink this beer anyway, because I just happened to... I was wondering why I was feeling so warm already, and I'm not even through the first one. <laughs> oh, it's no. 12.4. Oh. I'm not allowed oh. to drink this one either. <laughs> but luckily, you're in the comfort of your own home. 
Yeah, That's so true. if I get too oh, bad, no. you guys can just be like, Beth, sign off and go. We're just mute her. Just mute her. Just mute her. Um, okay. I have to admit, I have to admit, Ryan, when you showed the name of your beer and it's the plaid habit, my first thought was, is the friar going to show up in a Christmas carol? Is this going to be a conspiracy that we take beyond the bard? Okay, well now we have to oh, who's the friar in the Christmas carol? Who's the friar okay. in the Christmas carol? The immortal but friar. They're actually dead. It's not pretend to be dead. They're actually dead. But who's the friar? Well, this is a couple hundred years later, so the friar would be a ghost by this point. Is Absolutely. Marley the friar? No, no. Marley no, knew. Marley's the one who's got the idea. No, of it's this. it's Christmas. Uh, Christmas past. Christmas past is the friar. Christmas future. Ooh, it could be Christmas future. Uh, Christmas future. No, I think we're all agreed it's not Christmas present. <laughs> oh, for sure. No, Christmas but... present's the lame one. <laughs> no, Christmas present's the bitchy one. All right, let's get into this. Lame, let's get into bitchy, this. whatever. <laughs> Same thing. That's so what yeah, Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Welcome back, season three, or two, whatever season we're in. <laughs> we're jumping. See, well, season one <laughs> took us three years, so I mean, season two. I mean, who knows how long this one will take us? Somewhere between somewhere between six months and two years. I'm guessing it'll be the yeah. longest or shortest season. Um... <laughs> Until we come up with a different idea, and then all of a sudden we're doing tabletop games. Don't threaten me with it. I mean, that time. would that would fit with the rest of the network for sure. We would just we if we do tabletop games. A, I'm down. Uh, we have to wait though for uh, Madame Corona to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, for sure. But but for for right now, <clears throat> let's let's take a let's look. Yeah, the Rona the, the Rona best. is still happening. And we are getting into some Christmas, bitch. So this is my favorite Christmas story. I love Christmas Carol. I think we... Yeah, everybody loves Christmas Carol. It's it's Dickens' best work. No, it's not. But it's very good. And it points no, I'll out argue that, Dickens that. It's Dickens' great... best work. <laughs> Dickens writes best when somebody's not paying him per the fucking word. Yeah, this is one of his shortest books. Yeah. Great Expectations is the other one. This one, however, was written for a serial. Still. But he wasn't being paid for the word. <clears throat> they only wanted four cantos, four episodes. So Staves, I think, is staves. the word yes. they use. Yes. Is it staves? <laughs> Sorry. My bad. The LibriVox at would literally stop and restart at the beginning of each stave. Each stave. I, uh, I'm reading a book in which they keep talking about cantos, so... Mm. But yeah, this is a very well-known story. Um, if you live in the world as a person <laughs> who celebrates Christmas, yeah, chances are real good you've either read this, <clears throat> had it read to you, or seen a movie version. And honestly, chances, chances are, even if you don't celebrate Christmas, you have probably also been probably. inundated with this uh, piece of literature. When we yeah, get to adaptations, very... which is a permapin, <clears throat> there's a lot. There will, there will be so much to talk about. And there's one that's better than all of the rest, and I think we all know which one it is. We do, Absolutely. and we'll, we'll, definitely, that next we'll definitely talk about that. It's next episode. All right, so this starts out... This what? is... Okay, so there are famous lines in books. Famous first lines. Mm -hmm. I have a whole coffee mug full of them. This is one of my favorites. 
Everybody knows this one. That Marley was dead to begin with. It's so good. Can I tell you, I first read this book in eighth grade. We read it for English class. Mm -hmm. And up to that point, my basic familiarity with the story was the Muppet Christmas Carol. (laughs) And so with the Muppets, there's two Marleys. Marley. And so I picked this book up and I opened it and I read the first line and I saw Marley was dead to begin with. And I'm like, no, the Marleys were dead to begin with. Where's the other Marley? There's no... It's only one. We dropped only Marley one somewhere. We dropped. We we lost Where, Marley. Where's Bob? Uh, Bob's your uncle. Bob's your uncle. Fucking Bob. But yeah, so Marley was dead to begin with. It's a great first so, line. It is. It's a it, really as as, good one. As far as first lines go, um, I love this one. First line of Pride and Prejudice, and then there's a book called A Prayer for Owen Meany. It has a wonderful first line as well, and I'm going to paraphrase, but uh, Owen Meany's biggest problem was that his name was Owen Meany, and it, it, you know, it's like there was a boy named Eustace Clarence Scrubs, and he almost deserved it. And he almost deserved it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so last uh, Never Ending Story also starts out with making fun of uh, Baxter Bethesar Box. <laughs> Let's make fun of people's names. But Marley. Absolutely. I think it's interesting that we start out with Marley being dead. That we have to make that sure so that everybody knows that we're not crazy. You gotta know we're not crazy. Yeah, you have to understand. The narrator, who is a separate character, who has his own thoughts and opinions outside of the people. You gotta know we're not crazy. We're coming from a place of truth. He's dead. Now let's talk about some names. I know it. And the differences between them. I think other ones are more dead, but if uh, but if I'm right, you know, everything else is wrong. It's so true. we're just going to move true. past it. Yeah. I just love we don't get, like, firm introductions to anybody. Like, there's no point where he goes, this is who Marley is, and this is who Scrooge is. He just, like, throws the names at you like, you already know who these people are. Yeah. <laughs> it's amusing to me. Well, and it's, like, he does a really good job over the course of this first stave of showing and not telling. Because he is able to, through Scrooge, show us the lens of who Marley was. Yes, because Scrooge is here, but Marley Mm -hmm. was here. Yeah, like, Scrooge is a bastard. Marley, also notably a bastard. He's a real dickhead. But But if you've been living under a rock for the last 200 years, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge is our main character. Mm -hmm. He is a money lender, property owner. Mm-hmm. His job is never made one hundred percent clear in the story, but he's a, yeah. he owns he he owns accounting. He house. owns he's in he the he's in the one percent. Yes, and he well, is bean shuffling. Yeah, he's not in the one percent, but he's a bean shuffler. He's he's rich, but it doesn't do him any good. He doesn't do anything with it. Most rich people right. don't. Uh, most rich people don't. That's true. But he is. And, but he hates Christmas. He's grumpy, cantankerous. Yeah. Uh, and we need to find out miser. why. Yeah. Well, yeah. So his job, they talk about it. This is something that I noticed this time around that I didn't notice before. When your Christmas future is walking him through, he notices a street corner he normally sat at. 
to wait for business? So is it possible he's a high-end hooker? Maybe he was, because he formerly sat there. So he's looking back fondly on his days as a streetwalker. No, no, this was future. He wasn't there. He was oh, keep that's, looking for okay. himself where he would be in his day. And, you know, it's like, oh, it's the time that I should be there, but I'm not there. That's strange. Well, I thought about moving to a different area to get more business. Is it maybe, possible? Maybe he's a high-end streetwalker. I think you might be on to the next Hallmark Christmas movie, Beth. Yes. Scrooge. <laughs> a Christmas John? Mm. <laughs> I was going with Christmas Gigolo. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I hate everything. Look, Christ. someday we will we will write out Terminal Love and perform it on here. Scrooge Absolutely. Bigelow. Miserly Gigolo. <laughs> Miserly Gigolo. <laughs> uh, bah humbug. I have similar feelings no, to other... Never uh, coming soon. Ever. Christmas 2020. <laughs> I'm walking. That's it. I'm at, I forgot all my, how much I hate all of It's this. an Xmas, Carol. First of all, that was your husband. You married that. <laughs> Second of all, triple X, I, I want to second the Carol. Bob That's right. Humbug. No, we're done. We're done. We're done. I'm over it. I'm happy that within 20 minutes, Cassie quit. <laughs> I don't have to deal with these shenanigans on my other podcast. Oh, okay. Oh, oh so so now she's got another podcast. She's all fucking high and mighty. Hoity toity. I'm going to leave you I'm guys. Gonna- Clearly, we've got to get one of us on, like, like sneak you on, not like talk to Drew about it, not tell you. Surprise, Beth and Ryan. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> oh, you have to not curse because we're a family friendly podcast over there. I'll fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can, can I get a button? Yeah, can I get a. I'll self edit. I'll just insert. So- Horn noises. So back to, back to this. So there's being. about two or three pages where we talk about Marley's death, Marley's funeral, um, the ways that we know that Marley is in fact dead. How dead he is. How dead he is. This is just exactly yeah. how dead this motherfucker is. And Scrooge and is bad, but of all the motherfuckers, Marley was the motherfuckiest. He was the mm-hmm. deadest motherfucker I have ever seen. Um, and so then we, we kind of see, yeah, we see Scrooge in his life as he goes through. He works in his office, which he keeps very cold because he's not going to pay for fuel for the fire. He has one employee named Bob Cratchit. Good old Bob Cratchit. Good old Bob Cratchit. Bob Cratchit is always, always mentioned to be draped in a comforter. <laughs> because he's I always cold. I don't want Bob Cratchit's life. I no. want his no. work attire. <laughs> I I feel that people should allow me to shuffle through my day draped in a blankie. Somebody needs to get Beth a a bank branded blanket. I have two. Okay. That's not the point. Can we get you um, a bank snuggie or like a quilted a quilted blank or a snuggie. No, they're like picnic blankets. They're No, yeah. we'll get, we'll get no, you a like bank terrible. snuggie or a you're like one of those uh, blankets you can like snap together to make a robe. That always reminds me of uh, Liz Lemon. Don't you have a slanket somewhere you should be filling with farts? <laughs> you need to get the smush shush. 
Um, no. <laughs> no smooshush. <laughs> Doug Judy. Okay. So, our scene, like, our scene opens, if this was a play, our scene opens with Ebenezer Scrooge sitting in his counting house with his cold, draped in a blankie, which I would like. You're in your own house. You can get a blankie. I have, I mean, I do. It's a blankie jacket. I've got it right here. It's not the point. But we have several people enter the counting house over the course of this afternoon to show us who Scrooge is as a person. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's a bit who's, you know, talks about how cold Bob Cratchit is and he's got a fire so small it looks like it's one single coal. But if he ever went into Scrooge's office to get more coal out of the coal bucket, he would be fired immediately. Yeah. Yeah, he's not allowed to he's not allowed to put any more fuel on the fire. He gets his one piece of coal a day. Mm-hmm. And you better make it and last. Then we get a visit. He doesn't. We get doesn't. No, he Sean stirs it the within the first. Everybody has a rookie mistake. Uh, but Scrooge gets three visits here in the beginning, which parallels his three visits later. Mm-hmm. Um, but he gets visited by his nephew, Fred, a jovial Fred. young man named Fred, mm-hmm. who comes waltzing through the door saying, "Merry Christmas, Uncle! I love you." Come over let's, for dinner. Let's, do, let's have dinner. Come on over. Let's have dinner tomorrow, because tomorrow is Christmas. And, uh, Chase, to which... Chase, what does Ebenezer Scrooge respond to that with? Uh, that is going to be with the uh, now immortalized Bah Humbug. Bah Humbug. I wanted to humbug. see it the other way again. Christmas a humbug, Uncle. You don't mean that. I do. I do. You keep Christmas in your way, and let oh, yeah. me keep Christmas in mine. And I love Fred, because... He is so unflinchingly cheerful. He knows who his uncle is. He knows the response he's going to get from his uncle, but he's still going to go. Well, he's the Leslie Nope of this story. He's still going to invite. Yeah. Like, he is not in any way going to be driven away by his uncle's attitude. He is going to go and wish him a Merry Christmas, and he's going to enter into this exchange of words with him. And when his uncle refuses to come over for Christmas, which he knows is going to happen, that's okay. That's fine. That's fine. It's not going to stop him from asking. These things happen. And he will do it every year. And even... He'll do it every year. He's, yeah. Which is a Christmas. Happy Christmas to Bob on the way out. Yeah. And on his way out, he lets in uh, three men who are all there for charity. Charity. Charitable donations. Yeah. To help those who are in want. During this hard season. And we get some great Ebenezer lines. Oh, yeah. Such are as... Are there no workhouses? Are there no prisons? prisons? Some would, some of them would rather die than go to those places. Well, if they'd rather die, then they'd better do it and decrease the surplus population. That's who we're dealing with, friends. Um, Something that I did... I did notice uh, this time around that I hadn't noticed in the past is um, just that the... The stern game that these that these charity guys play, because there is there's a moment where uh, they ask, "So, how much can we put you down for?" And Scrooge says, "Nothing." Oh, you want to be anonymous? <laughs> oh, I, oh, an anonymous donation. Then it's like solid presumptive sell. They've got there. they've got some so, they've got some serious yeah. game when it comes to uh, yeah to the donation the donation gatherings for I sure. Mean, 
half of the job is pretending like someone said yes before you walk into the door. Exactly. Like. That's selling. Right there. Yeah. yeah. ABC. Always be closing. Mm-hmm. How much can I put you down for today, sir? Don't take no for an answer. Uh, but they end up having no choice. Scrooge exchanges some pretty harsh words with them mm-hmm. about poor our disgusting bugs to be ground beneath my heel. Yeah. yeah let him, I did let not him sit here can... working so I could put money in the hands of those who are not working. Which is still, like, I think the reason that we love this piece is that to this day, every one of us knows a Scrooge. Oh, Absolutely. for sure. And if it's not about Christmas, it's just about giving to the poor or how they, I mean, this whole last election. Every Trump supporter is a Scrooge at heart. Yep. I mean, every, they like every, Christmas. Every conservative Republican. It's the, That's exactly their line. You know, the, you know, I'm not out here working, so that way I can give money to somebody else. Yeah. yeah. That's socialism. Well, you know, someday, someday, you know, God willing and the creek don't rise, they might learn empathy. But, you know. Maybe they'll get visited by some ghosts this Christmas. (laughs) So. The ghost of communist past. (laughs) Scrooge promptly sends them on their way. Uh, Finally gets to go back to work a little bit. And the third visitor is the boy. Singing a boy carol. singing Christmas carols. Christmas caroler. And he opens up the little, like, mail flap and just mm-hmm. blasts a Christmas carol in. And I love it. I mean, it's I a, bold it. Cho- a bold choice. He's probably done this before. He probably knows Scrooge, so he doesn't open the door. He doesn't try to go in. Well, I, I like to imagine that this kid, yes, knows exactly who Scrooge is. He's been out doing this all day. Somebody's given him a little bit of wassail. He's a little high on a little bit of sugar plum. And he walks by Scrooge's office. He's like, that motherfucker is going to get some Christmas. I'm going to give him some he cheer, bitch. Goes, <laughs> just, just screams like, joy to the world. Just loud and <laughs> off key into that door hole. As disrespectfully uh, as this possible. This also, though, does not, does not go over well. No. This is uh, unrequested cheer as the rest of the day has been, and Scrooge treats him in kind. Yep. Slams the great So, yeah, so there we have our three examples kind of showing us this is who Scrooge is. This well, is so everything, everything in this really happens in threes. Oh, yeah. Yes. This is, so there are a lot of Dickens tropes that are out there. Yeah. There's a lot of Dickens novels. So there's a lot of, just like with Shakespeare, you can see the shit he does every fucking time. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's literally a Scrooge in every one of his novels. And the the threes that carries through, um, yeah. And it's it's a pretty Everything. common theme of of his writing style. Well, that and very very ver- very verbose motherfucker, Charles Dickens. Paid by the word. Yep. That's how you end up with Tale of Two Cities. <laughs> Which isn't even his longest. The old curiosity shop is way worse. Way worse. 
But in the Blythe house. Uh, as they're getting ready to close up the shop for the day, he says to Bob Cratchit, I suppose you're going to insist on having the entire day off tomorrow. Well, it is Christmas, like, sir. Well, yeah, it's it's Christmas. It's what it's a, And his response it's one day a year. It's a poor excuse for picking a man's pocket. Every twenty fifth of December. It's like you want the day off and you want me to pay you for it. Like, how is that not theft? Fine, take your day off. Real stingy with that PTO. <laughs> Look, Bob Bob Cratchit doesn't accrue PTO. You think Scrooge gives out PTO? <laughs> you think there's fucking benefits? You think he's no, got feel... the wellness the wellness rewards program is absolutely <laughs> Look, garbage at Scrooge and Marley. Think he's I got... want you to know that a majority of your salary is actually made up in your health benefits, so stop whining at us. You... We we pay you way more than you think. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, you think you think he's got health insurance? Hmm. He doesn't even have health, so no. <laughs> well, no. Nope. So okay, before we leave this, I got to tell you, like my favorite Scrooge moment when he's just Scrooge being Scrooge mm-hmm. is when he's saying goodbye to Fred, and Fred is keeps talking to him and talking to him, and he just keeps shouting, "Good day." I said good day. I said good day. I said good day. I said good day. He just says good afternoon to him like six times in a row. Fred keeps talking, keeps saying things. He's talking to Bob. Good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon. I said good day. All right, that's it. I just have to make mention of that because it's one of my favorite, like, So, yeah, so Scrooge leaves and he does the things that he does when he goes home in the day. So he he goes to a a pub, a tavern, eats dinner, and then he heads home. And by the time he gets home, it's dark outside. Well, it's middle of winter. It's probably been dark since he left work. (laughs) Yeah. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Mm -hmm. Why are you here? It's 4 p.m. Yes. (laughs) Um, That's next week. (laughs) I'll say it's coming. Yeah. And so he gets to his his home, which was Marley's home before it was Scrooge's. Well, and he lives in an area that used to be full of life and everything has left it. But why should he? Yeah. All of the rooms in his house that he lives in are rented out to businesses for offices. He's the only person who lives there. And so as he's going to unlock the door, something very strange happens to his door knocker. His incredibly ordinary door knocker that he has seen it's every day so of his ordinary. life. It's like the most ordinary door knocker the, you'll ever how see. How ordinary is that? Just wildly ordinary. How ordinary Completely was unremark- it? Unremarkable was at least, in every way. It was at least a paragraph's worth of ordinary. Yes. It's the longest description of anything ordinary I've ever heard in my entire life. Or read in my entire life. But he sees Marley's face in the doorknob. Yep. And this rattles him slightly. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Marley's, Marley's been dead for seven years and, you know... Like, now all of a sudden Marley's ghost is going to show up as a door knocker? Like, who slipped a Mickey in his drink down at the pub? 
my favorite part about this sequence is that when he opens the door and he walks through it, he like looks at the back of the door and the description is like as if he was expecting to see Marley's pigtail poking. No, say as if he was expecting (laughs) to see the rest of Marley's head. Yeah, that just tickled me, that description. Yeah. Um, Whimsy. But But even though this is just something he completely imagined, his mind's playing tricks on him, there's absolutely no way he actually saw a ghost that's ridiculous. But he is going to do a full walkthrough of his house in every room just to make sure. And then he is going to double lock the door to his bedchamber. You know, just, it's fine. Can we also spend a, maybe a whole paragraph describing the width of the stairs? You bet your ass we can. You could drive a carriage up those Nigh. stairs. Nigh. You were Long so ways. You could, long, long ways. ways. Yep. We all, I love, like... Dickens dates himself frequently when he thinks he's funny. Mm-hmm. And so there's lovely things like, you talk about a horse and four being able to chase it. <laughs> nobody nobody talks about that. Hey, Chuck. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I was going to go with, what the Dickens? Oh, also good. Hey, Chuck. But I do kind fuck? of like, what the fuck, Chuck? Yeah. What the fuck, Chuck? Get your brother a t-shirt that says that. He would wear it every day. (laughs) It would be so disgusting by week two. (laughs) All right. So he goes up to his room. And we get a brief description of how dark it is on the stairwell. He's searching for secret traps. He's searching for secret ghosts. Scrooge liked it. Darkness is cheap. And Scrooge liked it. Scrooge liked it. Um, but he's in his room. He's eating some gruel because he has a little bit of a cold. So, and then all of a sudden, a bell on the wall that has never rung before. Never, ever. not once. He doesn't even know why it's there. No reason for it to be there. Yeah, why Why you even have a bell on your wall? For the, you know. Well, remember, this house used to, it's a large house. You could put a coach sideways up the stairs. That's true. So it used to be like a manor that people would have lived That's in. That's how he used to summon the coach. That's probably what the bell was for. Room service. Yeah, drive a whole fucking carriage up your staircase to bring you a steak dinner. But I wish somebody would drive a coach to give me a steak dinner. The bell starts ringing. Bells throughout the whole house start ringing. And then he starts hearing down in the basement the sounds of footsteps and chains. Sound of dragging chains and lockboxes. Dragging. He remembers in the books that he's read that haunted houses that the ghosts often drag chains. What books? <laughs> like what? What books are you reading, Ebenezer? I'm not saying I've read the length and breadth, and I think I think Ebenezer's reading some Penny Dreadfuls. I think you might be right. I I is, think he reads is Ebenezer the, Scrooge. I think he reads the Penny Dreadfuls. While he's hooking. I... <laughs> <laughs> he's a beat. No, no, he's a beach reader. Like he, he's a it's beach the, whatever reader. <laughs> the, it's whatever the, uh, the early, what, what is it, the 1800s version of Tom Clancy is. So when you say beach reader, it makes me think yeah. like Ebenezer Scrooge would be the type of guy in black socks and sandals. 
Oh, yeah. In super long shorts sitting on the beach underneath six well, umbrellas. Fucking Scrooge, yeah, no, is, cargo Scrooge shorts. is the fucking dad out there in his socks and sandals and jorts with the goddamn metal detector walking up and down the fucking beach <laughs> with his fucking bucket hat on searching for it's, it's, doubloons. Industry. We must have industry. It, okay. Two things. One, bucket hat still also a top hat. Yes, it is a top bucket hat. Just a bucket hat with a floppy, okay. a top and, and hat with stop, a floppy brim. Stop. No, no, no. You know, if you're going to no. We need to now hire someone to draw this image of Scrooge, and that does need to be on our merchandise store. Noted. Uh, two, and equally importantly, um, like that is what he starts off doing, and then... After he gets tired of with the metal detector, it is 100% picking, you know, grabbing, you know, one of the penny dreadfuls he's read a hundred times before, but he just, like, it was great the first time, it's going to be great the hundredth time. Why, why spend more well, money? Well, yeah, why spend, spend more money on, on buying more books? He's got one book. Yeah. It's a good book. I, I like this book. It's the ghost story book. I don't need any more ghost stories. I've got this one. Anyways. Bucket anyway, hats are into top his hats. room. It's a bucket hat top hat. Just a top hat with just a really droopy brim. Yeah, just no wire inside. Just, yep, just flopped yeah. over. And instead of like but a sprig of holly, room, it's got to have a seashell on it. Into his room appears the ghost of Marley. Ebenezer! So, he knows it's a ghost because you can see through it. It's a good tell. I mean, it's a Andy's solid tell. I mean, stealth technology. There's more of gravy than the grave about you. Yeah, <laughs> so he engages in some fun wordplay. So these as two, he tries to convince Marley that he's not real. These two bitch and banter at each other, and I got to tell you, I want just like I wanted Bob Cratchit's uh, comforter. I want to be able to do what Bob Mar- what Marley does whenever Yeah, Bob Marley is, is totally different. This is Jacob Marley. I know. This is Jacob Marley. Whenever <laughs> Jacob Marley is annoyed with Ebenezer, he just like tilts his head back, shakes his t- chains and screams. <laughs> That's what I want. When I'm sitting at my desk at work and somebody is giving me the same old bullshit line, I just want to go ah. <laughs> I've seen you do that when I worked with you. Yeah, but there was no customers in front of me. There was no no chains <laughs> yeah. involved. But that's that's how he deals with Ebenezer. Ebenezer's like, no, 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 no. You could be like a bit of cheese or an undigested bone. In fact, this here toothpick. Do you see the toothpick, Jacob? Yes, I see it. But you're not looking at it, Jacob. Do you see the toothpick? I'm a ghost fucker. I can see the toothpick. I can see your line fuck, line. I can see your fucking toothpick. And he's like. I swallowed this toothpick. I can see goblins for seven years with a toothpick I swallowed. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Fucking ghost bitch, goblins, man. Did I man. drown you in your sleep? And then <laughs> Jacob Marley tips his head back and he's like, nope, we're done with this. He unties his jaw. His jaw falls to his chest. And at that case, then, and only then, does Ebenezer go like, okay, okay, okay. All right, fine. That's creepy. That's creepy. You're fine. Ghost. That's creepy. You're That's a creepy. You're a drama queen. What he has to pull want? some Beetlejuice ah! level shit to fucking get yeah. his attention. And then Charles Dickens had, he's like, it was want of Ebenezer while he's thinking to put his hands in his pockets, which he did while kneeling on the rug. 
That's hard. Yeah, putting your hands like, in your pockets while you're on your knees. That's enough of a description that I had to try it. Yeah. It's enough of a description. I'm like, how... Is that difficult? Like you I, start. It's not that it's hard to get your hands in. You just start to lose your balance a little bit. Uh, is it possible he could have had like a house coat on or something? Like maybe some. Well, see, I've got another pockets. thing. Had to be that or lady. like a cardigan. It couldn't have been like pants pockets. There's no way. Yeah. Well, no. It, it's it, it, they say uh, trouser pockets. It's trouser pockets. Oh, okay. Well, then he flopped well, he over like a there. fucking fish with his hands in his pockets. I would. <laughs> anyway. Once Ebenezer is convinced to shut the fuck up, Marley gets to why he came, mm-hmm. which is, hey, listen, I was a real bad dude in life, and uh, now that I'm dead, I'm paying for I've it. I've been wandering the earth for I the am- last seven years, Ebenezer. <laughs> so long. Why? You Dragging so these slowly. chains behind me, <laughs> and I finally convinced like my people higher up. To let me come and talk. Let me try to and you. save your fucking sorry ass. Try and save you from this fate. And so you're going to be visited by uh, by three ghosts. And Ebenezer's like, ah, uh, you know, I don't really. That doesn't sound like a good that time. That sounds. To me. Can we not let's do nope that? Nope straight out of this. Actually, can I nope out of this? Um, <laughs> can I decline? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm flattered, really, that you want to help. I'm disinclined but, uh, to acquiesce to your request. <laughs> And again, but Jacob good Marley here. tips his head back and just screams. Uh-huh. Exactly. Wouldn't that be amazing? Oh. And he's like, all right, so we'll some uh, chains for Christmas, on the but... first day at the hour of one, a ghost will come and see you. On the second day, same hour, another ghost will come and see you. Third day, midnight, ghost will come and see you. And Ebony's just like, okay. I have a busy schedule. It's not going to work for me. Can we do it all at once? Like I, can I we understand just, can that we, this can is going to happen. Can we just condense this down? I got just once. I got meetings so, those other days. I feel like he goes through all of the stages of grief that wouldn't have even been a thing back in Charles Dickens' day. But he's like bargaining, he's denying, he's coming to terms with the fact that he has to see these ghosts. Marley leaves, and Scrooge is like, well, that was ridiculous, I don't believe it happened, I'm gonna go to bed. Which, reasonable, honestly. Well, he had okay, some bad so fish first, or something. Couple, couple of, yeah. before he goes to bed, a couple of weird shit happens. So Marley like floats out the window really Oogity boogity. Cool, whatever, it looks Spielbergy out the window and Ebenezer goes to look out the window too and he sees all these ghosts out there trying to help a woman with an infant on a doorstep and they can't I'm worried about the woman with the infant on the doorstep in the middle of the winter like, I was yeah, we don't concerned. hear about that ever again never brought up again Pretty sure she's still look, I'm, look I'm sure it was fine so I have a theory about about this novella and I'm going to address it as it comes up, but we've already just passed the first part of it. And okay. that is that this was written in the sections before he really outlined what was going to happen and how the it should go. 100% can agree with that. Yeah. There are other books that I can absolutely, like, 100%. Yes. The Blythe House, yeah, they no. never finished that fucking lawsuit. Either way. But the no, second but thing, like, and this is a question mm-hmm. that I bring up because of hooking. Okay. At the end, 
when he goes to bed, he is so tired that he goes to bed without undressing. I assumed sure. that meant like coats, trousers, trousers and pants yeah. pockets, remember? Mm-hmm. But as the ghosts take him, he is in his robe, his slippers, mm-hmm. his nightshirt. So I think they just mentioned that Scrooge sleeps naked. I think you might be right. Which would honestly, like... It would save his a... clothes. It's, I mean, yeah, it saves him money because if he's naked, he's not, you know, they're, they're not dirty later. Yeah. Either way. And Lord knows we find out his laundry person is kind of a skis anyways. <laughs> no, she's fine. Ugh. Ugh. Um But uh, but uh But those those two uh, things like stuck out. Yeah, I was worried about the mom on the stairs, yeah. but also like bed without undressing. Well, and that wasn't even what I was thinking about. That was um the other thing that I had noticed was uh the timeline because I think he just retcons the whole timeline at yes. the in the final stave. So he comes home, but, he eats gruel, bell rings, right? Yeah. We don't even like the gruel gets mentioned later, it's still sitting in the bowl. Mm-hmm. He's so he stopped tired. he stopped for dinner and then he had gruel also. Yeah, so Start of the next, not stanza, Stave. not canto. Stave. 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 Thank you. They're talking about how he wakes up to the bells, mm-hmm. and the bells chime 12 times. And he's like, whoa, that's strange. I went to bed at 2. What? You went to bed at 2? Yeah, he went to bed at 2 after Marley visited. How long was Marley they said- there? They just kibitzed for like, I mean, they didn't, he didn't cover it in the book, but they kibitzed for like an hour. It's like, yeah, so how's business? How's death? Bad? Ah, that, that's not that's good. A, that's kind of what I thought. I thought death I don't something. think that he retcons the timeline. I think that it's ghost magic. No, I think oh, Dickens yeah. seriously well, just okay. forgot what time he had said when he wrote it earlier and well, didn't and he, edit. He well, no, didn't so no, say so, any time, but. The, I mean, no. What I was saying was like because he said it's going to be spread out over three yeah. days. It is at different because times. he he spends a whole day with each ghost. Yeah. he's in a Groundhog's Day situation. Okay, okay. Christmas Day is just repeating for him. Right, I see. So it's new until he gets to actual Christmas Day. Because when he wakes up, like there's light in the room. And he hears the mm-hmm. bells ringing. He's like, I didn't sleep all the way till noon, did I? Man, that's. But at least it's Christmas, so who cares? Um. And then he, they make some mention about, like, if it hadn't been a day, he wouldn't be able to make money anymore, and it would turn to the United States. I didn't really get that part. I think it was another Dickens reference to shit that doesn't... Like, doesn't matter. Exist anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It might have been, might have been timely, you know, when he wrote it, but... Yeah, it's not timely now. Somebody in a, in a top hat got a good shortle out of that one. Yeah. I tried to draw his nose, and it looks like a penis. <laughs> Ebba Dick I've... Nose Scrooge. Ebba Dick Nose Scrooge. So, anyway, but the room is full of light, and as he sits there in his bed, the curtain is drawn aside by a hand, and standing in front of him as close as Charles Dickens, the narrator, is to you, parenthetical, and in spirit, I'm right by your elbow. <laughs> It's like it's one of my favorite 
narration passages in the whole thing. So I understand that this was written with the intention of somebody reading it at Christmas to a parlor. Because it's what would have been done. Well, yeah, we used to Uh, tell ghost stories. But that's real fucking creepy. That's real creepy. Mm-hmm. And the so the Nothing being that's spirit. there, I am right by your elbow. I'm right here beside you. Hey, <laughs> hey. But yeah, so there is a spirit who's standing in front of him, as small as a child. However, not a child. Not a child. His face looks old, but not old. Hands are He's delicate. got light coming out of the top of his head. A jet. And under his arm, a jet of light. And under his arm, he carries an extinguisher, which is what you would use to put out candles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, it's a walking baby candle. Little little candle kid. Little candle kid. And Scrooge goes, hey, uh, you're hella bright. Do you think you could put your cap on or tone down the light I just woke up? And the spirit's like, rude. <laughs> rude. <laughs> rude. You can't just ask a spirit to extinguish his light. You always extinguish me anyway. Why not? Look, you can't come. You can't walk into my house and tell me to put my light out. And so. This is my house. No. It's my house now. You can't come. You can't do this in the house of Mutombo. Not in my house. So we established with this ghost how magic works. It's the first law of Sanderson, which you'd understand, mm-hmm. Cassie, if you'd read Brandon Sanderson. But I haven't. Who the fuck's yeah. Brandon Sanderson? I hate all of you. I I read Mistborn. Good. It was good. good. A magic source or system is only as powerful as the understanding of your audience to how it works. I disagree with that. You. First Law of Sanderson. I disagree with that entirely. Well, magic in Harry Potter is very powerful because we understand it's implicitly how it works. However, some magic systems where... Like actually, there's no, there's no explanation of how magic actually works in Harry Potter. What? Yes, you, you have to practice it and study it. Uh, there's no explanation of who and why they are picked, but... Then there's like Lord of the Rings with Gandalf. There's no explanation of how magic works. So it can't be used for everyday things. It has to only be used sometimes. No, Gandalf is only a third level wizard. Shut the fuck up. He's a Moria. No, he's a Maiar. Moria's a mountain cavern. Hey guys. I hate you. Hey guys. Either way. The ghost of Christmas past says, (laughs) hey, touch my hand and we're going to fly out this window. And they go. And and so Scrooge does. Yeah. And they fly into a bright light, which is the past. And we go visit young little Scrooge at his really shitty boarding house. Yeah. He's he's a young boy. It's Christmas time. They pass all of these young boys leaving the school on horseback and in sleighs going home for Christmas. But Scrooge is still in the boarding school because he does not get to go home for Christmas. So instead, he's sitting by himself reading a book. So he's all alone. And then here comes Alibaba at the windmill. So his only friends were books growing up. Well, and his sister. 
and his sister, who doesn't come till later. It's years later. Mm-hmm. But but she's he's she... left alone with books. We fast forward. His sister comes and is finally allowed to bring him home. I would say his his sister is in. Yeah, she's a, a important part of stave one because he has a or stave two because of the relationship he has with his sister at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So she comes. We fast forward a little bit. Boarding house looks worse and he looks older and father finally allows him to come home. Which is strange because it explains his relationship with his dad. Which will be important for Christmas present, I think, more than anything. Non-existent. Because he starts mm-hmm. seeing what's supposed yeah, to be. And again, it's it's very much showing us, like, through these snapshots of, of his childhood, you start to understand, okay... He didn't have a great childhood. He was isolated. He was alone. Um, his father sent him away. Mm-hmm. And you can see how this character that we've met in Stave 1 could come to be if this was his beginning. Like, if you're never shown family or community or friendship, it's hard to grow into a person who appreciates those things. But right. he does also, in this Stave, we we have Mr. Fezziwig who treated him like a son and was very good to him. Which is... Yeah, it turns around, like, we see kind of both sides of Scrooge because he definitely has this side, you know, where younger he doesn't have that. And then in his early adulthood, he... He has... ...is exposed to having this family, this community. Yeah. Um, And Christmas is an absolute blast for him and... You know, the other boy, he he lives at Fezziwigs under the counter, which is like that. That is the next scene is is Fezziwigs where that's common. He... It's common. Remember Hello, Dolly. They live like in the cellar. Yep. Huh? I, I have not seen Hello, Dolly. I have seen I have seen 15 minutes of Hello, Dolly, and it's the dance break in the middle of the movie that lasts for 15 minutes. Old-fashioned movie musical dance breaks make Chase really angry. They just don't <laughs> stop. I feel that. How singing in the rain hold up for you? <laughs> oh, I haven't even shown him the twenty-minute dance escapade. Well, oh, twenty minutes, o- yes. Oklahoma. It's it's bad. It's <sighs> it's. Hey, I've got a great idea for a Broadway musical. Let me dance about it for twenty minutes. It's not important to the plot. It's just so Gene Kelly can go tap dance. Yep, and it's uh, <laughs> twenty minutes. It's it's not even a character. Like the woman in it isn't even a character in the in the show. No, it it is relevant to add. The funny thing is, is the, the story of, of singing in the rain is complete hypocrisy because of what they did to one of the voiceover women for the movie mm. Singing in the Rain. Yeah, it's it's that's true. <laughs> it's it's an unfortunate dark irony. Um but anyway, there's no tap dancing in a Christmas carol. Depends on the one you go <laughs> depending see. on which version. I was gonna say, yeah, which adaptation are we talking about? I bet you about? there is. I, I bet there is too. I mean, there's a little bit in Muppet. So, Fezziwig, he's got a fiancé, Belle, and then, you know, that goes to hell, too, because Belle's going to leave him because he loves money more than he'll ever love her. Yep, so he starts working with Marley, and he starts 
loving money more than Belle. Loving money more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and Belle doesn't have any money, and she doesn't have a dowry, so why would he marry her? And she leaves him because he's a real dickhead. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's long and short of it. Yeah. He's a real dickhead. But I think it's really interesting to watch Scrooge as he's going through these scenes. Mm-hmm. Because, like, for as grumpy and angry as we've seen him in the beginning, he's, like, all in on this trip down memory lane. Yeah. Like, when he's talking about the books that he read as a kid and when he's talking about Fezziwig, like, he's so full of enthusiasm. And Have you ever met a person over the age of 50 that didn't want to talk about when they were a kid, though? Yeah, that's fair. Like, that is, I, I mean, he's playing into every older person I've ever met incredibly well. And it's like, hey, if you get them talking about when they were a kid, like, you are going to dredge up some emotions. Well, and the the ghost even points out, like, what's, uh, what's, what's that on your cheek? Do you, uh... It's pimple, shut up. <laughs> There's... They were cutting onions for the Christmas feast. I did, and I, I was very sad, so I cried. It's a terrible day for rain. It's sunny. As far as toxic masculinity goes, though, this book is like, nope, he's sobbing, and it's fine. Yep. And there are man- multiple male figures who sob in this book, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Well, it's because it used, to be, it used to not be a thing. It used to be just, you know, fucking fine. Because... Yeah, you're sad. I people get it. People realized we can be sad. You know, used to understand that people have emotions. But why? The Infant hell? mortality rate is a thing. It sucks. Have your feelings, my dude. Yeah. And so the last scene we see with the ghost of Christmas past is several years in the future. We see Belle again, but now she's married, older, she's married. got her big she's happy family. Children. Mm-hmm. And uh, her husband comes home and goes, you'll never guess who I saw today, an old friend of yours. And it was Scrooge. You saw him in the counting house window. He said his partner lies on the brink of death, and there he was in the counting house. Like, <laughs> really dodged a bullet there, didn't you? And Belle's like, yep, sure and did. And that was the night that Marley <laughs> died, actually. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was seven years before. And at that point, Scrooge is like, yeah, okay, uh, I'm done with this. I'm done with you. Don't want to see any more. I'm going to force that cap onto your head until you Take go me away. back, ghost. And he does. Sorry, yeah, stave three is the ghost that I like. It's three and four. You like the ghost of Christmas present? Yes. It's a good ghost. So, yeah, so he's, Scrooge is sitting in his bed, and he's like, okay, I'm going to stay awake until this ghost comes. But the bell rings, and no ghost appears. But a light appears, like, down the hall, and he can hear some sound coming out of it. But it takes him a really long time to go, oh, maybe the ghost is over there. He wanders down to the ghost of Christmas present. Mm -hmm. Walks into the room. It's full of food. We get a really long, involved description of all of the food that is in this room laid out in this Christmas feast. All of the things that he did not put in this room. That he did I not got, put there. They I got this out. beer think... because it made me think of the ghost of Christmas present. It's called Beard Crumbs. Beard Crumbs. It is technically, I, I it's it's technically a Christmas beer, kind of, but it's actually just an oatmeal raisin stout. 
Well, that sounds nice. So, and the ghost of Christmas present is this great big jolly man with a green robe, except that it's open to show his bare chest. Come in, man, and know me better. Come in and know me better, man. (laughs) And this ghost, Scrooge is like, hey, I think you got stuff to show me, so let's just go do it. And he takes him out onto the square... And it's Christmas Day. People are in the and market. This is, people are, yeah, jolly merrymaking. This is the point where we see Scrooge encounter people and see people. And he gets thoughtful. And the ghost is like, what are you thinking about? And Scrooge is like, well, just there was this kid singing Christmas carols at my office. And I was kind of rude. And I wish that I hadn't been so rude and, and my nephew fred keeps coming about and trying to get me to come over for christmas dinner and i keep telling him to piss up a rope and we see more of scrooge being i don't know made better being thoughtful being yeah, yeah we see him kind of we, starting to understand a little bit yeah. more about that the redemption starts to take hold yeah. a little bit i love a good so redemption art and that's all this. Well, that's the whole story. Yeah, that's the whole point of the, the story. The whole story yeah. is a redemption arc. And the Ghost of Christmas Present has this satchel holster thing. And as they walk around, he's sprinkling this water on all of the people. And it's basically just like the essence of peace yeah, and it, cheer. And he's it, blessing Christmas the, spice. Christmas yeah, he's, 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 he's laying out the Christmas <laughs> spice on everything. Look, I've gone to a party where somebody was shaking around some Christmas spice. Doesn't end well. No, no that's just cocaine. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Yeah, this is this is Old Bay and cinnamon. Yeah, that that was that was definitely nose nose candy. Old Bay and cinnamon. But what I really love about the Ghost of Christmas Present is that he is jolly. He is happy. He is full of Christmas cheer. But he's also going to take Ebenezer by the shoulders, sit him down, get in his face, and say, you're a fucker. No, he's hard. Yeah, yes. he, he's hard. He's not going to fuck he around. He keeps throwing in the face everything. Like, aren't there poor houses? Didn't you say they should decrease the surplus population? You think these people yeah, should asshole. fucking die, you dickhead? Come here. Come here and look yeah, at so them. Look in their face, him, dick. He shows him Everybody in the city, not just the like rich folks. Not well. They go to a miner's cottage in the lighthouse, and you know, yep. Go hang out with Bob Cratchit and his family, and watch them have a meager feast, and be wildly thankful for it. Uh, Takes them over to Fred's place and uh, watches uh, so that they can watch Fred just fucking roast him. But even if he's roasting him, he's also like, you know what? We've had a lot of fun at his expense tonight. Here's to him. All jokes aside. Yeah. Cheers to cheers to Uncle Ebenezer, you know. Yeah, and same thing at 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 the Cratchit's house. Like they come home, Bob comes home with Tiny Tim and extols the virtue of their son and how wise beyond his years he is. And then after the feast is done, they <laughs> toast to him. <laughs> but he's and... wise beyond his years because he's like, let's go to church, Dad, and put me up front. That way people can see it and be super happy. They're not a cripple. <laughs> like, what? 
Well, I think specifically it's like so that they, the like, it's a it's it's a real reason for the season kind of yeah. message, which is not something like a six year old decides to drop on. Yeah. Um, but Tiny Tim is like this pure soul mm-hmm. and and Scrooge is moved by him. And he sees that the boy is sick and he's weak and he asks the ghost of Christmas present. He says, tell me if if Tiny Tim will live. And he says, I see an empty chair and a crutch without an owner. And if nothing changes, that's the way it's going. The boy will, will die. He will not be here by next Christmas. That's the way it's going to be. But then he, he again, he throws Scrooge's words back at him. But if he's going to die, he better do it. And it's kind of this like, this is who that surplus population mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Like, think about that next time you're cavalierly making statements. These are real people. They're not numbers on a sheet. And you very possibly are going to be judged less worthy of life than one of them if you're held up next to each other. So watch yourself. (laughs) Well, and then, you know, we get ignorance and want. Oh. Mm -hmm. Creepy. At the the very end of this. At the very end of this. And that's that's kind of rude. I mean, if you're standing next to somebody and you look down at the robe and you're like, um, is that your foot or is that a claw? Like, that's rude. Yeah. But the answer is so much worse than I know. Nope, it's, it's, it's two scrawny like starving children. children. <laughs> yeah, two scrawny starving children. And Scrooge says, Are they yours? And the response is, They are mankind's. The mm-hmm. boy is ignorance. The girl is want. Beware them both, both. But most of all, beware this boy, which is one. There's an adaptation, and I don't remember which one it is, mm-hmm. but they swap that mm-hmm. and they say, Beware the girl. More than the boy. And so they're like, beware want more than ignorance. And I get so angry because the whole point is ignorance yeah. is what leads to yeah. doom. As I was listening to the LibriVox, that jumped out at me. It's like, whoo, boy, that is, a, that is a message for this yep. year. It is. No, seriously, we need to sit everybody who voted for Trump down and just like clockwork orange style. <laughs> oh, don't, don't, don't worry. Hallmark's good about to do it. Yeah, sure they, they all watch. They years. all watch those fucking Hallmark movies, and they don't learn anything. They well, have no yeah, self awareness. Also, why they voted for Trump? The cat keeps trying to get back in this room, and it keeps freaking me out. Goddamn Finnegan! I mean, I, I, I yeah, Finn was chilling out like on your shoulders earlier. So it was I'm on very just cute. an office chair. Sure. There's nothing behind me, so she oh, gotcha. scaled it with her claws. The whole way up. Yes. <laughs> Finnegan, your girl cat. Yeah. I, I didn't look is... at her parts before. No, I, I I know because I worked at the bank when you got that cat and you came. You said, it's like, we're getting a cat. We're naming it Finnegan. And then two weeks later, you came in and said, so Finnegan's a girl and we can't change the name anymore. I don't care. What are you going to do? I don't know. Neither, neither does Finn. Finnegan's a good name. Doesn't matter. It is. Yeah. It is. Ian. Either way. Anyways. So, uh, this time, instead of being deposited back into his bed, the ghost mm-hmm. disappears when the clock strikes midnight. And in front and of Ebenezer. Old. He's gotten old as the day has gone yeah. on. He's aged an entire lifetime. I get but one. He disappears. Day. And the ghost of Christmas yet to come appears. And he is shrouded 
He looks like the Grim Reaper. Never see his face, just see a bony finger, and he does not speak. You never see his face, Bowling Green Theater Department. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's... I don't like that costume, and they reuse it every time well, they do this. That's because show. they built it, and now they don't have to build it again. They've been using it since I was an undergrad. Yeah, yeah. but it's a, but you don't see it's got like a skull. Face, oh, I know. So Actually, they've been using it since before all. I was an undergrad. I'm pretty sure. The things, that way. thing's like thirty fucking years old. It's a tradition. Yes, to be wrong. But we we meet the ghost of Christmas yet to come. And Scrooge does all the talking for him. He just points and beckons. That's all he. Well, does. and Scrooge, so, Scrooge is so fucking unnerved by this ghost that he's just nervous. He's got just nervous talking, just going. Which is, yes. I think, pretty apt because the first thing he shows him is a like there's a couple groups of people talking about this guy who died, and they're like, but. I mean, if somebody gives, uh, if there's lunch, I'll go to his funeral. Yeah, they're like, because nobody liked this motherfucker, so they're like, yeah, I guess I'll go to his funeral if they're going to feed the, me. The next group is, oh, whew, man, I am a little relieved. We do not have to pay rent yet. <laughs> well. Yeah, he died. Okay. It's It goes through a progression. So he sees these men who he works with, and they're talking about this this guy who's died. And he's like looking around for where am I in this picture? Because we've always been focusing on me in these things. And he's so like willfully. He's so clueless to the fact that. I don't think he, I don't think he's legitimately clueless. I think it's. (laughs) He doesn't want to admit that it's him. Just like, hey, so where am I actually, like specifically? Like how, how does this relate to like number one? And he keeps coming back to, he's like, oh, I I understand this could be me if I don't change my ways. Right. But I have changed my ways. So we're cool. And the ghost, the ghost is just like. The ghost is like, no, let's go to this bedroom. Do you see this man? and so, yeah, they see the, he sees the man laid upon the bed covered with the sheet, but he's not willing to go uncover the sheet and see who it is. He well, he asks, to, he asks to find somebody that mourns his death, and the closest thing he can get is somebody who's celebrating because they can get their finances in order because the old motherfucker died. Well, yeah, and he, he meets the... The peddler. Old Joe, the peddler, and the laundress who's, like, stripped the bed Well, they stole, all, they the stole all this shit. They stole all this the shit. The Undertaker, they're going to fence it. The bed yeah, curtain. got this shirt off him. They were going to bury him in it. I just pulled it off. It's fine. Yeah, they're going to bury like, him naked did, just How like did you know slept. they were going to bury him in it? Oh, they put it on him. So. But then I, I, took, but, it I took it off of him. That's a waste. They could bury him that's naked. That's how he slept anyway. Yeah. And so then he says, show me tenderness connected to death. Any death. Any and we death. we go to the Cratchits. We go to the Cratchits because Tiny and then, yeah, this killed me. Apparently. This killed me. Recently. He just recently yeah, died. Yeah, they died on the same day. Very yeah. recently. Uh, he's, still, he's still upstairs. Everybody's dying on Christmas He's still here. fucking upstairs. That's how recently. Hmm. Yeah, because Bob Cratchit comes back from picking a burial site. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. For him, um, and they all mourn. They're they're mourning the passing of Tiny Tim, and you know, so Scrooge, you know, 
fucking he's losing it at that point, right? And then, dude, I was like, I get emotional about kids dying in books and movies, as you should. I started to get a little weepy. Tim Curry was telling me the story, and I'm getting a little like. As Bob Cratchit's sobbing openly for his his child, my child. Oh. And what I love about the Cratchits is it's a very big family. They've got like six or seven kids. Yeah, yeah they probably wouldn't but have been so, so poor if they hadn't had that many. Yeah. Surplus population, but... Ryan? No, that's there's the difference between preventative measures and murdering people. Is there? I could go like, down the street and get a, a condom. Oh, could you? It's always a household that is full of warmth and laughter and brightness and and connection. And even when they've had this loss, you know, he gathers all of his children around him and he goes, you know, yes, this hurts. Yes, this is painful. But we will remember yeah. him and we will carry on in his memory. We won't quarrel with each other. We won't, you know, because we'll remember how he would well, want us to be. Because Tiny Tim wouldn't have wanted us to do that. He would have been patient and kind. <gasps> so sad. And so, finally, Scrooge has, like, gotten the message. Well, he gets taken to his his own... But he gets taken to a graveyard. Neglected grave. And he's got to wipe away the snow so he can see the writing so that he knows, you know, who is this man who everyone was so... Here lies this son of a bitch. ...upset about it. And he sees his own name on the stone, Ebenezer Scrooge, and he promises and he vows, you know, I'll, I'm not I'll be the man good. I was. Why would you show me this if I was past all hope? I'll do what you want. I'll honor Christmas. I'll be a better man. And, and Christmas, he, Christmas yet to come, just doesn't give a fuck. He's not going to say no, anything. He dissolves into a bedpost. <clears throat> Luckily, it's his own bedpost. And the room was his own, and the curtains were his own, and the bed was his own, and the window was his own. But more Everything importantly, the own. curtains were still there, rings and all. Rings and all. <laughs> So he materializes back in his bedroom. He has no idea what day it is. So he throws the window open and yells you at boy. the child like a crazy person. What day is it? And the kid's like, you fucking kidding me? It's Christmas. It's Christmas, you old fucking crackhead. <laughs> and then Scrooge starts babbling about, it's Christmas Day. They did it all of a night. Of course they did. The spirits can do anything they want. And the kid's like, Yeah. The spirits can. That guy's been He's in the been in the absinthe. He's no Scrooge this has is, been. In, this is what Scrooge I was, has been in the Christmas spice. <laughs> this is what I was talking about by feeling like this was like a bit of a retcon going on. I feel like he wrote that first stave and then realized like, ah, fuck, this doesn't make any sense if I don't have this all happen. Well, on it had Christmas. to end on Christmas fuck Day. It, I'm just gonna like. like I'm just gonna rewind and and make this first sentence just not. It's fine. All right, it's fine. No one's gonna care. You know that Christmas is twelve days, right? <sighs> I, I I do. Okay. I do. Well, that's because that's, that's a weird that's thing. They stole that. 
Yeah. And it's also supposed to be in April. Or March. Lots of yeah. stuff anyway. gets stolen. Anyway, so Scrooge is full of life and buoyancy and he's shaking and he's laughing and he's making people worry about him. And he tells <laughs> he- this boy in the street, he's like, go to the poulterer's. Buy the prize turkey. The big one. The Get big the big one. fucker. One as big as me, sir. He's going to send it to Take Bob it. Cratchit's house. Get that. He's like, hee hee hee, he'll never know who it's from, and it's going to drive him crazy. You get the big turkey and take it to Bobby Cratchit. To be fair, if somebody showed up with a turkey the size of a child at our front door, we would also be very confused and probably not eat the bird. Probably not, because I don't think it would fit in our oven. And I don't want to spend that long. That's okay. Turkey. So something that I think we should hey, put in butterfly is what did you learn about Victorian life? Don't sniff the marker, Cassie. I didn't. Butterfly that turkey, it cooks way faster, more evenly. So That's true. What did you learn about Victorian life that you didn't know before from reading Christmas Carol? Mm. Or something interesting, at least. Because Cassie might know everything. Who knows? She's pretty smart. It's true. Yeah, I am. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) So he makes a big donation to the charity. He sends a big turkey to the Cratchit house. He's wandering through the streets. He's, like, wishing people Merry Christmas left and right. He, like, bursts into Fred's house, and Fred's like, who's there? And he's like, it's me. It's your Uncle Scrooge. I'm coming for Christmas. I'm here. And Fred's like, shitter's full. What happened to you, dude? The butler's like, "Uh, (laughs) they are in the blah, blah, blah room. Can I introduce you? He's like, nah, they know me. Boof. And he just (laughs) slams open the door like a shiftless vagabond. Just, sup, nerds? Ebb's here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> fucking, I'm all Christmas spiced and ready to go. And so then the next day, back in the first stave, when Bob Cratchit asked for the day off, Ebenezer told him, okay, but be here all the earlier to make up for it the next day. So he's sitting there the day after Christmas, all giddy because Bob is 18 minutes late to work. And he's like, I'm going to make him think he's fired. It's going to be so funny. Because that's so a great think... that's a great prank, you fucking <laughs> cokehead. I think that maybe Ebenezer <laughs> has been out of practice of jokes too long. <laughs> I think so. He hasn't made a that's... joke since the ye olde Fezziwig days. <laughs> Not since Bell. Stop <laughs> it. I mean, to be fair... Oh, shit. Bob Cratchit is 18 minutes late. He promised he'd be there early, and he's, like, 18 minutes. So he's, like, real sheepishly, like, sneaking in and going and sitting at his desk, like, up in here the whole time, I Got the comforter over his shoulder, just (laughs) snugly writing. He he just started writing really, really, really fast. And I know I have had those moments where I came into work, and it seemed like nobody saw me, so it was just, like, really industrious, like, oh, no, I've been here the whole time. You did not notice me? Oh, so, so strange. Well, and what's funny is that when 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 Ebenezer calls him out on it, he's like, "Yeah, sorry, I got into the Christmas spirit a little bit yesterday." It's like, motherfucker just admitted to being hung over late to work. I look some Christmas, Christmas cheer, bitch. Look, look, I, and look, I'm not going to say that hasn't been me, but you don't cop to it. You just come in with a Gatorade and you say you got a headache, and that's it we all know 
as a boss. Exactly. We know. Yeah. And and so Scrooge says, I'll tell you what, my friend, I am not going to stand this sort of thing any longer. And therefore, I'm about to raise your salary. Burned. Sick <laughs> burn. I got you. He's like, not only that, I'm going to raise your salary. I'm going to take care of your family. I'm going to get you health care for your son. Oh. At which point, Bob is probably sitting there going, how the fuck do you know about my son? What has happened? I who, really want who are you? And what? more of an exploration in any adaptation of how, of the conversations that happen around Scrooge as he has this complete 180 transformation. Like, I want Fred it's just, and Bob it's, it's just Christmas. to get together and be like, so, we going to talk about Ebenezer? It's just Christmas Carol from the point of view of everybody he flipped on in the last day. Who, so, who put Coke in the salt yeah. shaker? Have you ever watched somebody after a stroke? <laughs> no. So I, by the way, I put two and two together. He hasn't made a joke since Bell. That's why the bell never rang. Look, he's made jokes. They're just not good. Also, that was a bad joke. Ah, that's. <laughs> I didn't say it was he's a good joke. He's made some terrible ones. Um, but yeah, so so we get this little like button on the end of the story from Charles Dickens about. Scrooge was better than his word, and he kept his promise, and he was always merry at Christmas time, and Tiny Tim didn't die, and Scrooge became like a second father to him. This is the lesson he learned, and now go forth and kindness and generosity in the spirit but of Christmas. Do you think Scrooge? All right, so Scrooge is dead, and Bob Cratchit thinks that Fred <clears throat> will help get Peter, his eldest son, a better position. Do you think Peter's life would have been better if? Ebenezer Scrooge had died? Or do you think Ebenezer Scrooge took care of Peter, too? I think he took care of Peter, too. I, I mean, I think he made that connection with Peter and Fred, if nothing else. I kind of hope that he didn't. And that somewhere out there, Peter knows. He knows. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Ebenezer did plotting. nothing for him. If anybody ever wants to know how I made it so far into an English major... <laughs> It was because I like to sup supplement what they teach us with wild suppositions about how these characters might be destroying each other or John Wick style going in and ruining everything. Well, I have my theory as to how Beth made it so far into being an English major. And that was because she smoked a lot of pot. <laughs> <laughs> I never would have. That's terrible if you hadn't given it to me first. <laughs> like I said, it's not like I wasn't like right there, but <laughs> I mean, not never, never would have happened. Yeah. And then you came. So anyway, and that's a Christmas Carol. That's a Christmas by Charles Carol. Dickens. It's pretty good. I, mean, yeah. I, I like yeah. I like a Christmas Carol. I have been in a Christmas Carol play adaptation um, at BG with with the I, ghost. I have only sat through one play adaptation of a Christmas Carol. Thank Please God, the two thousand and six Scott Regan version. I did see that one. It was so bad. Well, was it was it two thousand and six when Pat Mahood was in it? The adaptation and Tyler Ward. No. The adaptation no, was, was F. Scott's, like, the university used for the longest time was, was Regan's. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not good. But Tyler Ward um, did one where he sang, and it was... No, this is the one with the Tiny Tim Death Ballet in it. I don't remember that. Is that the one Regan directed? I'm leaving that pause in. <laughs> I'm leaving that pause in so that everybody can really, like, revel in the words Tiny Tim Death Ballet. <laughs> we will talk about that in did the Dr. next Did Dr. Regan episode. direct that one? Yes, he did. All right. Because I worked back too much treehouse troop. Place to call too, uh, this. too much treehouse troop. That's what it was. All right. He did treehouse troop for too long, and it snapped his brain. All right. Hey Ryan, what that moose out front tell you? Oh shit! The podcast is over. <laughs> I gotta get some Christmas spice so I have energy for the next round. All right. Well, thank you for listening to episode one of season two. That's wild. Of That's wild. I feel like saying something like, leave. I mean, it's episode 76. I don't know. Send us a message if you have a book you want us to review. Yeah, or play. Or synopsize. Yeah. yeah. 78. 78. Like, if yeah. you know going into it that your teacher has on the syllabus. Kate Chopin's Awakening. Like, like you're going to cover, you're going to cover in March, like you're going to cover, you know. Ooh. Yeah, just let us know. Fucking we'll Wuthering Heights or something, <laughs> I guess. I was going to say, like, if you, like, give us a little bit of time if it's longer one. If it's a short, if it's like Ethan Frome or something like that, it's like, we no. can do it. But I'm going to, I'm going to complain about if, it. Yeah, like, if you time. want us to talk about Of Mice and Men, you better give us a second book. Um, no, Of Mice and Men is great. It's short. It's also short. I love Of Mice It's Mice very Mice. short. Very but, short. But there's lots of death. Um, but we are, you know, we are going to be doing a lot of of Shakespeare adjacent classics and, and other whatnot. classics. So, it, yep, we've been talking about Beowulf. It's the Seamus Haney translation. And by talking, we've we've kind of decided. All right, but, but that's that's for the future. And for now. And for now, we are Shakespeare the podcast. I'm Ryan Halfhill. I'm Beth Roars. I'm Cassie Greenlee. I'm Chase Greenlee. Say goodnight, John Boy. <sighs> goodnight, John Boy. What, Paul? Ah, Dickens. This has been a Ghostlight Media Production.